Hi, everyone. Sean Paul Ellis from the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. What is happening in September? Let's get into talking about the shows and the cartoons that we're going to watch and review this month. Let's also give a couple quick shout outs that we have to some people, some listeners, as well as also some great contributors that we had from last month's giveaway. And what are we actually talking about on today's episode? So for the month of September, we are going to be watching and reviewing listener recommendations. Today, we have Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea from one of our listeners from a long time, Doug Kendall. So thank you, Doug. In two weeks, we are going to be watching and reviewing Bionic 6. If you want to recommend a cartoon, go to our bio on any of our social media platforms, click the link tree, and then select the recommend a cartoon button. This ensures that we receive all that information, especially why this was such a significant or impactful cartoon to you, because we want to make sure that we can honor that and we can discuss that and include that as a part of our conversation. You can even call and leave us a message as Doug did. It's 202 681-4406. Again, you can find all this information by going and clicking on our link tree button that we have on all of our social media platforms and then going to the recommend a cartoon button. A couple quick shout outs to a lot of people that we have, a lot of people that really super thankful that we've been working with over the past month as a part of our giveaway, including our sponsors. You can check out Brian Cave on Twitter at Old School Evil. Check out his book, Old School Evil. Uh, Just... Can't say enough great things about Brian. We have also Mick Yarber from RetroRamblings.com. Thank you, Mick, for all of your contributions and everything. You can check him out on Twitter at YesterdayVille. Creed Stonegate at InfiniteCoolness.com, as well as also at Creed Stonegate. His art and his stickers that he makes are just unbelievable. Could not be happier with some of the stuff that he sent me. (laughs) There's almost like part of me that wants to keep it for myself, but no, I have to give it to our winner for our giveaway, as well as also Spunk Lube. These guys have been in with us from the beginning for the last couple months. They could not be cooler to work with, so please check out Spunk Lube. And then... I want to give a quick shout out to a couple months ago as one of the pre-show, you might remember me talking about somebody named Dark Tapes on YouTube for our Tiger Shark episodes, episode 16. So that's officially now 200 episodes ago, commented saying that he wanted more episodes of the cartoon Tiger Sharks and that he wasn't able to find them. Turns out one of you, yes, one of you, a listener delivered by the name of Comic Strip on YouTube, has posted and put up a bunch of Tiger Shark episodes. This is one of those stories where the internet has delivered and it in some way restores my faith in humanity about people who comment on YouTube. So thank you, Comic Strip, for everything that you've done. I'm glad, I'm so glad that you were able to help out Dark Tapes in terms of being able to find episodes of Tiger Shark. What a great, what a great story. So what are we talking about today? As I mentioned, Doug Kendall has recommended Spartacus, the sun beneath the sea. So we have returning guest Melanie Harker. And so we discuss why Melanie didn't get her double major in French. And also, why does this show present so much information in a short 25-minute span of time? All of this and more on today's episode. And so without further ado, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from the place called Arcadia at the center of the Earth post-cataclysm, 
I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. And joining me, a mysterious shrouded stranger who has a grappling hook on her arm, a mouth harp, and loves fireflies, we have DC-based artist Melanie Harker. Welcome back, Melanie. Hey! <laughs> can I have a little play out of Owl City? Like, can we edit that in here? Because I, I bet you that Spartacus loves that firefly the song. Ba- the band Owl City. Yeah, the band the Owl City. <laughs> I'm going to say no just for copyright reasons. Oh, that's a yeah. stupid, stupid thing. <laughs> Very sorry. Trying to get YouTube to monetize this channel. I don't need copyright <sighs> infringements again. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you at least having the desire. And I would say hum a little bit of it. But uh, because of how sensitive YouTube is about it, I'd say oh, please don't. I was getting please ready. Don't, please don't even do anything. Anything related to it, I'm worried that they would get upset. Okay, that's all right. But tonight is not about Owl City. No, it's not. Tonight is about something completely different. It is about... Something weird in French. <laughs> your f- two favorite topics to uncover. So, I mean, definitely something weird, but something French. I will say, in some cases, yes. I mean, we have had recently... I'm making skeptical eyes. I keep going. I know you're making skeptical eyes, but if you will remember... The cartoon Last Man was actually a French-based anime series that they had that was also a French-based manga that was then adapted for Verve, which I absolutely loved. This is true. So unlike if somebody says, hey, I've got this animated series from Canada, I'm not going to throw skeptical eyes because this is actually going to legitimately be something that I'm kind of interested in getting into and talking about. Okay. All right. Well, you're already... (laughs) You're this already is not, on a good foot. Yeah, you're already not. Considering <laughs> I've got your foot in my hand also. You're welcome, viewers. Listeners, if you're not familiar, and I have no idea why you would be, because if you forewent the title of today's podcast that you are now listening to on Labor Day, you might not know that we are actually talking about today Spartacus and the sun beneath the sea, which... Wee oui, oui. <laughs> let's yes. try. Let's try that in French, Sean. Let's see how that works for you. I, I, we will get into some French... Sp- uh, language. You're, you're and, not gonna do the title in French. Now. Uh, I will. Uh, it's a. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, it's a uh, Le Monde englouti. Le Monde. Le Monde englouti. Le Monde. Le Monde. Le. Le. Monde. Monde englouti. Englouti. So close, but so far. Okay. Well, you know, I'm trying every day. <laughs> every day, I'm trying, and I am not a. I'm not a polygot, and I have no intention of ever becoming one. <laughs> Anybody who is a listener of this show will tell you first and foremost that I should probably work on being able to speak English. And then Japanese. And then, <laughs> and then French. We're just going in order of operations here. Honestly, though, if I had three that I had to pick up, mm-hmm. those might be the three that I would be interested in. Okay. You could swap out French with Italian. Okay. So, but tonight we are talking about Spartacus and the sun beneath the sea. And so, Melanie, I wanted to ask you first and foremost, what was your relationship with this show? Did you did you know about this? Have any idea? Never fucking heard of the show. <laughs> I've never heard of the show, and I don't know why I would have. So that's all I got for you. No, no, no. Fair enough. And we'll we'll get into there. This show has been rebroadcast uh, on a lot of different networks throughout the '80s and an early part of the '90s as well. So uh, it may have been something that a, a lot of listeners uh, had a chance to to catch up on at some point in time. May not have. This is sort of one of those ones that. I feel like if you if you blinked, you may have missed it. But for the people who didn't blink during that time, I think that this resonated with them and it, it kind of it, became something of interest. It seems like we have 
some core dedicated shagamites out there <laughs> potentially <laughs> and i want to and i want to hear more from them but <laughs> uh, but before we do that i'm sure we're going to get into how this mess came to happen well of course we are and i, I want to say first and foremost that i was one of those people who i definitely blinked during this time i have absolutely no relationship with this show uh this is something that i did not realize that this even existed until this was actually recommended by one of our listeners oh a, sha- a sh- what did i call it a, sh- uh, a shagamite <laughs> a shagamite shagamite that's what i'm calling the fans that's okay <laughs> shagamites <laughs> So we had one of our listeners uh, obviously had a relationship with the show. They had watched it when they were younger. And we are, of course, if you are listening, we are talking about you, Doug Kendall. So <laughs> this has been fun. We, we introduced a Google Voice hotline for anybody to call. And you can leave a message for us that we will receive. And we're actually going to get to Doug's message in just a second. And so I, I want to say that if you are interested in being able to recommend a cartoon at any point in time, uh, this is the best way to not only recommend a cartoon to us, tell us why you loved that cartoon so much when you were growing up, and we're going to include that recording in the episode so that we can give you a shout-out. Ooh. I know. And so to tell us a little bit more about this, hey, Doug Kendall, tell us why you love this show. Hey, Sean and Dave. This is Doug Kendall from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm calling to uh, recommend Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. This was a cartoon that... Uh, I remember watching in, on, in the early 80s on Nickelodeon and it just really has never really left my imagination. I still remember just how vivid and strange and really wonderful the show really was. It's a French animated cartoon. Animated cartoon. Ugh. Anyway, it's a French series. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to butcher the name. But uh really gets into some deep, weird stuff, like into the hollow earth and arcana is this, like, artificially created being by an advanced civilization living inside the earth whose artificial sun is dying and she's sent out to go find people who can fix it and these two kids go into the into the earth and find get lost there and they run into Spartacus who's I don't think he's actually supposed to be the real Spartacus, but he's a character just called Spartacus. He's like this wandering mercenary type character and they just go on these weird adventures. Uh one of the things I really love about this show is this the sheer amount of imagination that's put into it. It's, uh, I wish there was more stuff like this. It just was just complete balls out. And like, you know what? We're just going to take you on a fantasy and uh, just hit you with bizarre vistas and strange concepts. It's just, there's really nothing like this show. And I really love it a lot. Doug, number one Shagamite. <clears throat> Propagate that across the internet. Oh, I think man. you could, you could make a lot off of that title. Uh, if you're listening, please at, Charlie Visconage, that's C.A. Visconage on Instagram or at Sweaty in the City on Twitter, and just message him just the word Shagamite. He'll have no idea what you're talking about because it's not about his paintings, which is the only thing that Charlie Visconage wants to be added about. But if you want all you Shagamites out there, if you want Charlie to paint you a Spartacus in the Sun Beneath the Sea uh, tribute painting, I feel like you should go ahead and do that. That would actually be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I feel like Charlie would be on board with There's that. There's a lot of content to deal with there. <laughs> but this isn't about Charlie. This is about anybody else out there who wants to call in. Is there a number there that is. I could call if I wanted to recommend something to uh, you are segueing, morning cartoon? You are segueing so well into this. Of course there is. You can dial 202-681-4406. You will get the SMC hotline for recommending cartoons. Leave a message and we can include it in an up 
upcoming episode, this is quite possibly the best way to recommend a cartoon. Dictate what we're going to watch for the next couple of weeks. Call and leave a message. The more of these that we get, the more of these recommendations we are absolutely going to include for everybody uh, on the show and our listeners. If you are interested in finding out, we have on our link tree, that's the link in all of our bios that we have, we have a button that says recommend a cartoon to SMC. You can do it via Google form, but it also has the number that we mentioned. That's 202-681-4406. Call and leave us a message. Convince us with your words that we should watch your cartoon. So if you are not familiar with Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea, let's dig into it. Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea, which in French is Le Monde. Le, le Monde. Le Monde. Le Monde. Le Monde. Englouti. Oh, God. Uh, meaning gotta, what? We'll work on this later. <laughs> there. Meaning The Engulfed Worlds is a French animated series created by Nina Wolmark. The series consists of 52 episodes between 20 and 25 minutes in length, divided into two 26 episode seasons. The original release was between September. 24th of 1985 and March 26th of 1987. The English version aired on the American cable television network Nickelodeon from 85 to 87 and the reruns on early Sunday mornings through the 90s. In the United Kingdom's Cartoon Network broadcast the series. It also aired in YTV in Canada around 1998. It is roughly translated into 13 plus different languages that are available, which is crazy to have the localization like this for such a broad audience. I definitely feel like this is something that resonates with a lot of people. On August 8th of 2010, Nina Walmark reached an agreement with Lion Gates Entertainment for the movie production company to begin development of a script which would be made into the first film within a trilogy. Tentatively scheduled uh, is the script to be completed uh, in the fourth quarter of 2011. <laughs> Obviously, this is 2018. We're, guys, we're not there yet. Epic fail. <laughs> uh, and it says that the film would commence pre-production in 2012. Epic fail. The idea of this was that the first film would focus on the early life and person of Spartacus and would be a prequel to the events which take place in the animated show. Waiting for your epic fail. Epic fail. We well, hopefully one day, I mean... We have received Valerian, which was an animated uh, a car, or strip that they had for a long time. That has been turned into a movie. So there's the hope that we can maybe gain additional audiences with. How well of, did that do on Rotten Tomatoes uh, again? Valerian did not do well. It did not do it so hot. Did, so did not do, did not do great. <laughs> so, but I mean, fingers crossed that you know other audiences are going to be willing to take a chance. There's a lot of stuff to, to get into and kind of mine here within this show itself. Since there is a lot to mine for this show, to help us understand the, the synopsis and the plot, Melanie is going to help us out and fill in some, some gaps. All right, guys. Shangamites. I've already forgotten what I called Shagamites. Shagamites. Shangamites? It takes, it takes tuning out for 30 minutes listening to you talk about the history. No, I know. I'm... Time stretches in the strata, as we all are aware. So <laughs> we're going to talk about the synopsis and plot here of this show. <clears throat> the lost city of Arcadia is home to an ancient civilization which escaped a great cataclysm in the ancient past by relocating deep within the Earth's crust. Unaware that life continued on the Earth's surface, 
and hoping to keep their people safe, the elders sealed away all records of their past in the city's archives. Arcadia survives by the light of an artificial sun, the Shagma, which is dying. A group of young Arcadian kids and teens, and teens, defy the law and enter the archives. With information about the world above, they create a messenger. They create a messenger, Arcana, and send her above to find help. Arcana encounters two children from the surface, Bob and his sister Rebecca, classic names, and brings them back through the underground strata, which seem more like separate worlds or dimensions with one strata even being in the distant future to save Arcadia. They travel in a living turtle-type spaceship called Shag Shag, along with Spartacus, a mysterious wanderer, and Bick and Back, a pair of pangolin-like creatures, Arcadia's mascots. Exactly. But to be fair, Bick and Back are not mascots. Like, that's who they are. There's nothing underneath them. They're not like little little dudes in costumes. Right. I think that they mean simply that they are are, are kind of promoting or champions. They're, they're sort of the face. They're the national treasure. Exactly. Of Arcadia. Okay. That eventually, Nick Cage is going to steal. He's going <laughs> to I mean, he's going to have to. They're so unique looking. I'm going to have to steal Bick and Back. Pique back, yeah. which is there's so much more fun to say in French. I'm sorry, they just it, it is. Speaking of speaking in French, we oui. we oui. <laughs> you can do that to me the entire Clavian. episode. I love it. If you watch this in its original French language, you're going to notice that there are some changes, that there are some differences. We've obviously mentioned and we've talked about some of the names that they have for the character being Bob and Rebecca through localization and over time for different audiences and different markets, some of these things have changed. And so very briefly want to talk about some of the localizations that have taken place that for little to no rhyme or reason uh, have Oversensitivity. Some of them are oversensitivity. <laughs> some of them are just because of, of different slang that different countries have uh, for their language that they have developed and built into their lexicon over time. And so we want to say that we are going to talk about some pirates. And so the names of the pirates are actually all based on puns. And these were changed in every version uh, so that they actually fit the language that they were translated into. Talk about that more when we get to some characters. The English version had a large number of name changes since the word shag uh, found in most of the characters and terms that are associated with our, uh, Arcadia being shag shag, shagmir, uh, shagma, uh, shagites, um, shagamites, whatever. Shagamite. We got it right that time. Ah, Great. Shagam shagamites. shagamites. Uh, it has a, a British slang term for sexual intercourse. Uh, so new names were invented uh, to to adapt for these reasons. Uh, there's a very similar reason that the pirate, which is pun named Sex Appeal, uh, it was changed then to eventually be called Sleaze Appeal, which is just great. And Sex Appeal. The name is spelled S-E-S-K-A-P-I-L. Seskapil. Correct. And so. you're like, what? And then five times later, you're like, oh, that's sex appeal. I get it now. Right. So again, all of these pirates' names are based on puns. In the English version, Rebecca's brother Bob was renamed to Matt. Makes a lot more sense. Does it? It does. I, I guess. Do I you want me to go into that now or should I wait for later? Yeah, get into it. Okay. So... I, I I procured from watching this the few times that we have, there's some like religious overtones going on with this show. And I felt like 
okay, Rebecca makes sense. That's a very like biblical name. And then fucking Bob, like that's the name you're going to give to the other kid. Like you couldn't call him Robert. Okay. Or something. But even Robert's not a great biblical name, but Matthew is, is, obviously is. Yeah. So that to me, like that shift, they were just like leaning a little bit more into that. uh, Into some of those references. Yeah. Exactly. Again, there's there's a ton to unpack here. Genesis. Uh, right. Genesis. Basically, that's all I got for you. Sega Genesis. So <laughs> we have a MacGuffin in this series uh, in the form of a magical metal, which, Melanie, would you help me out with the name of this? So it's uh, Lori Schalk. In French. In en Francais. Um, and then, in and so they translate it in the English version by calling it Oracite. Right. Which, not the same thing at all. <laughs> And I don't know, like, what was offensive about Orishalk that they needed to change it, but whatever. I just think Orisite is I again, you know, sort of like uh, uh, to the to the particular person's aura that they had. It just sort of felt like it was something that when they they translated it and lo- or localized it for an English audience was sort of like, hey, your personal aura. I, I get the feeling like. What's going to happen is that people from the surface are going to come and touch this metal, and that's going to solve all of their problems. And that would frustrate me a little mm-hmm. bit if that was the case, mm-hmm. you know. All right, so there's that. Then the next one are the songs. Are and the songs. We'll we'll talk about this. So the songs were translated and resung by the voice actors in each version. So if you're listening to the French version of this introduction, it is the same group did the English version of this as well as also any of the other thirteen different localizations for this. That we will we'll talk about a couple of them tonight that we had a chance to, to find because some of them were, were interesting and fun. In the U.S. and Latin American versions, a new theme song was featured in the second season, and this theme song was performed by the boy band Menudo. Oh, my God. <laughs> the shock. Yeah. The shock and awe of that. Uh, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's just very interesting. So... And we should also mention that when the Hungarian version was rebroadcast on television in 2005, Minimax used the original dub from the archives. Uh, as of January 9th, 2010, the same channel premiered the second season, dubbed recently in 2009. Uh, recently, like a decade ago. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. While the first season uh, was translated from the original French, the second season uses English titles and source script which produce certain changes in the translation of certain names, of characters, and concepts that we have that are in the show. So a lot of, lot of interesting changes over the time for different audiences based on language. And so for the most part tonight, when we discuss Spartacus, we are going to talk mainly about some of the characters and the languages that they used for the actual French version of the cartoon itself. And the reason that we're going to do that is because when we were looking for a lot of the subbed and dubbed versions of this, we were only able to actually find for season one, episode one, called The City of Arcadia, we were only able to find the French language with English subtitles for any translation that we had that was out there. We went like three pages deep into YouTube, you guys. Like, there <laughs> was go- nothing. Yeah, there really wasn't. It was, it was kind of surprising. In most cases, we were able to find... English language translations from episode two forward, but that first episode was almost always in Francais. Jamais, jamais, jamais. So, Harry, we, we've got it. So we've got a lot to, to kind of get into. And so for this discussion, first and foremost, we 
obviously have to talk about the theme song. That we we need to talk about this theme song. Right. And so there are three versions that we have watched for this evening to, to sort of get into. We have the English version, the French version, and then we actually managed to find a heavy metal version by a Polish symphonic power metal band called Pathfinder. Shout out to Pathfinder. Shout out to all of our Pathfinder fans out there. Oh my God. And so we want to we wanna kind of get into this. And so uh, Mel, I wanted to to kind of ask you first and foremost, uh, what did you what did you think? What were your impressions? What were your thoughts and feelings? Let's start with the French version first. Okay, so we've watched this a few times. First time listening in the French, uh, I fell asleep. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. It was like definitely. So there's there's two things going on. It's super eighties tastic. It's sort of like drone ballady female voice singing but then the visuals are so fast and they're spinny like we both have been watching this and have like developed uh vertigo through watching (laughs) they like they like do this thing where they like take the um uh whatever the animation the animation tile and then they just like they literally just spin the picture like they spin the image through animation versus like doing a swirl animation through like hand drawing. It's lazy as fuck and it makes you sick and ill. And so the first time I watched this, I was like, is this going to, I legitimately thought this was going to be some kind of um, like religious storytelling where we're going to go through like some like biblical something meshed together. There's a lot of like imagery that like, if you didn't know about the show, you might think that's what's happening. So first time I heard it, I said, eh, this is like an 80s-tastic lame ballad. And that was kind of where that ended for me. Okay. What were your thoughts about the English version then as a comparison? English version was still very, um, it was very like hero story epicism, right? We're sort of going for that like there's, this, there's really high stakes here. We're trying to like help uh, save Earth. You know, they, they take... They tone down some of the language, which, of course, like, we're reading the sub. I know a little French, but it still seems very, um, in, in French, rather, when we're hearing it, it seems very self-important. And then when you listen to it in English, you're like, okay, I can kind of, like, get behind this a little bit more and kind of, like, I'm kind of intrigued now. But then when we segue into the Polish. Get into the the Polish symphonic so metal version. The re- The reason... So the the Polish symphonic version is fucking awesome. Everybody (laughs) right now, stop what you're doing and go listen to this because Pathfinders, I feel like nails the tone that balances very well, like the call to action and the stakes of the plot in a way that gets you excited instead of feeling like you're about to sit in Hebrew school, which is honestly what I felt like when I listened to the French one. Just sitting in shul? No, you don't. You're not sitting in shul. Anyway, that's okay. <laughs> uh, where are my Jews at? <laughs> anyway, so there's, yeah, I felt like the Polish version hit on the tone that I wanted for the stakes of the plot and the given circumstances. What were your thoughts, Sean? Uh, so uh, a bunch of things to unpack here. I think I'm going to break this down into a couple different components, as I typically will do. I think what's really interesting and fun is that depending on what version you find online, there is a a narrated portion in the beginning. Yes, this is true. And so just very, very... Spoken word narration. Spoken word narration. And so very quickly, and you've got some good visuals kind of uh, in terms of the storytelling that you have that Mm. they recap in the episode. And so I feel like 
if this is a cartoon and you have such a, a rich history in terms of what's going on, I feel like reinforcement through repetition is helpful. Yes, this is true. I agree. And so I, they just very quickly, because we have this written down, it says, ever since the time of the Great Cataclysm, the Arcadians have lived deep in the center of the earth. They believed they were the only survivors of this great devastation. Their civilization thrived under the power of their son, the Terra, or Shagshag, until it began to fail. In desperation, the children of Arcadia broke the law and entered the forbidden archives, searching for a solution. And what they discovered gave them hope. Anxiously, they used their special powers and created a messenger of the people. They named her. So, like, real succinct, really good narration. Visuals, I will disagree with you because they show the cataclysm as being just like a fucking tic-tac falls between the cracks of the earth and then suddenly we end up with Arcadia. It's like, I'm like, what even is that? But anyway, right. I'll let that go. So I, I, I will say that they, they do, feels like they have some dedicated animation, which is in terms of the actual swirls that they have. Ugh. Uh, there's a lot of recycled animation that you have not only from episodes, but then there are moments where you sort of see Spartacus uh, Bob and and Jesus Rebecca Christ. kind of walking forward towards the mm -hmm. camera as if they're like badasses with an explosion behind them. Mm -hmm. They use this then in the first episode that they have with just simply a different background. Yeah, and so uh, you can sort of begin to see kind of the the breakup and distinction that they have between sort of how they animate the the backgrounds versus the actual character animation. It, it's it's kind of interesting, but it is reused. The music that they have, I, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. Melanie, I, I felt that the the French version, uh, you know, was was kind of a little long winded. I will say, yeah, I felt like the American version got a little bit closer to, dare I say, even uh, the Transformers movie, and sort of the the rock ballad that they have. But then Pathfinder came, came along, and recut this in their their Polish metal version and just really knock it out of the park. Like I feel like if you're gonna be overly descriptive which they kind of are right. in term, in with the way that they're describing the storytelling and they're trying to get you into it you got to go with a faster pace right and i think that because pathfinder really like rocked it out literally <laughs> uh it just you get like excited to listen as opposed to like i'm being told I think this exactly. story it's kind of and maybe that's very, you know, new wave storytelling of us to be like, I don't want to sit and have this tale spun in this particular way. But I, I actually I, I agree with you because, you know, there's a big part of this that they're trying to explain for you. The whole story is positing the idea that there was a terrible destruction on the surface of the earth. Yep. People relocated to the center of the earth and created evidently like a fake sun in the middle of the planet. Mm hmm. And then it's failing, and they need to send a delegate up to the surface to see if there's anybody there to help them fix the problems. They're that they out have. of options. Right. Like it's not even like they have to do any. They just they don't have any other choices. And, and so this is this is an unbelievably grave story, mm -hmm. and and the stakes could not be higher because this is an ancient civilization that's going to perish. Well, and, and, and they're sort of foreshadowing that if this civilization, if this fake sun, which we'll get to later, perishes. The planet is at stake. Right. And, and so not only are the people at the center of the earth in peril, but the people who are on the surface don't even know that they're in peril, but yet they are. And so they need to find people to come and, and to help them through this process of, of being able to fix the, the Terra or the, the Shagma. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's super 
uh, it, it's, it's powerful. It's a powerful story, a lot of stakes that are involved here. And to have something that has like a melodica kind of just like, you know, it, it's, it, it's fun and it's extremely 80s. And it's great. If you're not familiar with a melodica. Go look it up, man. Go Google that <laughs> shit because it's fun as hell. It's it's basically a keyboard flute. <laughs> a clute. It's a, whoa. <laughs> it's like a keyboard oboe. Keyboard oboe? A kabobo. A kabobo. A kabobo. And so <laughs> so they, they have this keyboard oboe that kind of kicks in. I, I will say it's very funny that uh, the, the Shagma, which is the, the turtle-like spaceship that they're floating around in, uh, at, at some point makes these sort of like little kind of like fart propulsion noises oh, in the I middle. Oh, I forgot about the fart propulsion uh, of noises. The, but it, it happens during the theme song. So you have you have this music, uh, you have uh, this melodica, you have sort of this, this synth, this driving kind of operatic kind of music, and then you just have this like... Of this like turtle shell <laughs> thing floating through the strata. And it's like, it's not quite... EQ'd properly, so no. it's like a little bit louder than the vocals. It's just very confusing. It's it's bizarre. And then it promptly stops. It's yeah. like maybe five seconds long. It's not even. Right. So it's so it's interesting. Any any final thoughts about the theme song, Melanie? No, I think we we pretty much covered everything. Okay. I mean, the the thing that I think we'll continue to unpack, and that is the unfortunate downside to how we operate the show is the show is called Spartacus and the sun beneath the sea. And we know fucking nothing about Spartacus right. based on this theme song. We know everything about the sun beneath the sea and Arcana and all that stuff. And Bob, cause we need to know everything blob. about Bob, Bob, uh, but we don't know anything about Spartacus and that I'm confused about. If we have Bob and Matt, can we just combine it and just no, call it bat? No, no, we can't call it no? bat. No. Okay. All right. It's confusing. We're just keep him with Bob. Keep him with Bob. Keep him with Bob. Sticking with the French OG. Biblical Bob. As I'm sure our Shagamites would want us to. There you go. You got it. I wrote it down. That's why I remembered. <laughs> Not going to fuck that up later. Mm. So let's get in a little bit to the animation style. So I, I think that this is a relatively surprising and interesting animation style that they have. But Melanie, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So... To me, we, I know we disagree about this. The animation style for me is very clunky and lazy. I think there's some artist... It's confusing because there's a lot of artistic merit to the, like, the design of the characters. And we have really fun, like kind of like extra... What we, we might consider extraterrestrial um, beings like Bick and Back are these kind of like angular anteater type looking characters and they're very round on the bottom and they have these like long snouts and they like can put them together to i don't know so call back memories or whatever so evidently fuck. if they put it they put their noses together they can create fire they can recall memories yeah, they can hack electricity at i some mean point. there's all kinds of shit they can do so yeah. there's a lot of fun design choices that are happening in the show and of course like the majesty of arcana or excuse me of arcadia and like some of that is pretty is is interesting to look at, but there's a lot of strange choices about like what we do and do not animate. For instance, like the reuse that you mentioned of of like Bob and Rebecca and Spartacus like walking forward, they reuse that a lot. There's a lot of just like 
oh, Rebecca's drowning. I'm just going to take her image and literally pull it up in front of the camera instead of like animating her trying to swim up at all. But then they'll, but then what they do do is they spend the time to animate Rebecca's hair as if it's its own character, (laughs) which we can get to that later if you want to. (laughs) But so for me, you know, it's, it was a little bit like, um, uh, it, it tried to be like early, Oh, I don't even know. Like, it reminded me of, what I say? Like early Mary Melodies animation, but the laziest possible kind of that. I'll agree with you. I could possibly see some early Mary Melodies in terms of a lot of bright colors. Yes. uh, Not a lot of shading and shadow included in some of those characters. Which, very difficult considering they're underground. Exactly. Yeah, right. And like really hard to see them. The oh, the other thing I will say is um, we don't really talk about the pirates right now, but there are there's some design of those characters that really reminded me of Asterix characters. Oh, okay, yeah, I can see so that. So we had sort of the round like shapes, round uh, bottom heavy, very strangely football shaped heads with like funny teeth and hats and stuff like the like characters. So if you don't know Asterix, you should go look him up. He's a great little Viking character. Right. They have like a bunch of, um, is he considered a graphic novel or a, or a comic? I thought he was a cartoon strip, like a Sunday I thought it was a cartoon strip, cartoon but, strip. but they also it have, could be book. very wrong. Well, they also have like books and things right. like that. Um, he's like a little Viking character and it's, um, it's sort of like not quite historically accurate sort of storytelling, but his character is very like bottom heavy, funny face looking. So we have a lot of that kind of also being called back to. And I was like, oh, that's why this is French. Watching this show and having absolutely zero exposure to this cartoon, there was one cartoon that it made me think of immediately, which is The Mysterious Cities of Gold. That again was another Nickelodeon cartoon that was I, I believe it was originally in another language and then it came over and, and was dubbed uh, I believe it was a Japanese animated series and then it had been redubbed and it was in uh, premiered on Nickelodeon but I'll, I'll say beyond the animation I think that there are a couple themes or there's some thematic elements that kind of came across that made me think of uh, the mysterious cities of gold as well as also the Goonies that makes sense. Mysterious Cities of Gold came out, I think, in 82. Goonies came out. Richard Donner released that film in 85. Which is around the time of which this. Which is around the time of this. Right. And so I, I, I see a lot of parallels being children finding cool things sort of uh, through adventures or even underground and exploring and having an adventure. I think it was one of those things as a kid for me, going out and, and finding and exploring something that was like in a backyard or like in an area that was like behind where our development was growing up uh, or even in the woods that we had. What we saw for Spartacus, that was always like the hope and the goal is that like I'd fall down some hole and be exposed to something really cool, sort of like an Alice in Wonderland uh, kind of scenario sure. where you know, you'd go through the looking glass and suddenly be like, oh my God, there's all these crazy things here. Like even Labyrinth. Yeah, I was going to say Labyrinth or Dark Crystal. Yeah. And then it's funny, as you were talking about that, I was realizing that, like, we don't see very often nowadays storytelling that takes us, like, uh, fantastical storytelling that takes us within our own planet. Right. Right? In that, that, like, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea style. Or the thing that it immediately immediately made me think about was um, 
Madeline Langle's A Wrinkle in Time series. Sure. So the third book of that series is called A Wind in the Door, in which you go, they, they, they take from like a very macro view of the universe where you're like, you're going out to different planets, which is something that we see a lot of, especially with like superhero movies. It takes us very micro, literally like the world and the the universe, quote unquote, that exists within our own bodies. Mm. So it like is taking us literally on a cellular level, like what would happen if we went that far down and what does that world look like? Which this is obviously isn't going that small, but it is thinking more of like the lore that might exist under the things we already are familiar with and know about, which like I just mentioned, we don't see a lot of that anymore today. At least I, I don't I don't know of anything. No, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find something that, you know, might be that interesting. I think there are some newer things that have come out but in terms of like going into the earth or, or finding something like that, I, I think this, this felt fun. I identified with this because of sort of that idea as a child for action and adventure and, and kind of what they, they have, kind of what they're, they're presented with in terms of the, the opportunity for adventure that they have. Uh, I will say the, the thing that seems to be really bizarre is that you mentioned like some of the animation is a little bit basic and I, and this is no fault of, of their own, but some of the characters now, like Arcana, reminded me of, say, Storm from the X-Men in, like, the 80s, or even, like, the, the animated version that we had that was in X-Men, the animated series. Which is so confusing. Which is very confusing. But she does, she's not... She's not Storm. But it, no. at the same time, like, she kind of has that, like, very white costume and... To their point, they do a good job, it seems like, with ethnicity in terms of what they actually have for some of the characters. Spartacus seems there are to be... two people of color in this entire series. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to be bursting your bubble, but, like, all the people underground are white. They are. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I Which, but is very... Conf- I was very confused about that, like... And not in a um, in a resentful way, obviously not. I'd prefer more diversity over less. But what it was interesting for them to be like, oh, people on the Earth on the on the surface of the planet must be tan. So they they chose this like tan skin tone for Arcana, and then the gentleman that we see in the cave, where I might remind you, there's no sun, uh, is the darkest skinned character that we see in the entire show. Correct. So. And Bob and Rebecca are whitey white whites. In <laughs> fact, Rebecca is like redhead in the desert. I have questions about that later. But Well, let's get into your questions because we're now at the point where we can talk about characters. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about Spartacus mm-hmm. or as I want to kind of almost call him Creepicus because he yep. is creeping in the background, just sort of listen to a lot of stuff, looking for opportunities to kind of insert himself into what's going on. And like take the lead over this this like woman who has been sent like a delegate sent from the center of the earth. And he's like, don't worry, I got you. And she's like, no, nah, bitch, I got all this way by myself. Like I can take care of myself. She also in any position, Arcana's is just like, follow me. And then she just glowing light bulbs out of her mm-hmm. hand, stuff that bends metal bars or yep. encases Rebecca in what looks like a, like a capsule and yep. like pulls her closer. So, I mean, this she is a strong female character that needs absolutely no, no help in any help. yeah zero in Especially any way shape not or form. from Creepicus. Creepicus. who wants to listen to Owl City all day long. Okay, with his Firefly obsession. So then we have uh, Bob and Rebecca. So these are kids. We know 
fucking nothing about them. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. They both have modes of transportation. That's we know that. So that's one one notch in the uh, bedpost for us. We know second second notch in the bedpost is that we know that they like exploring caves. They well. <laughs> Bob is a seasoned cave explorer because clearly he has all the tools you require to uh, self-repel, which is not safe, oh. like at all, for anybody. Even even a seasoned cave explorer should go with somebody else uh, to repel individually into a hole. Well, it seems like he is a seasoned kid cave explorer. Kid cave explorer. Kid cave explorer. That makes sense. Um, do they have those in the Goonies? Uh, I mean, all of the Goonies are, I guess, at this seasoned point. Seasoned kid cave explorers. Exactly. So we have that, and you know, Bob is very typical, like um, brash big brother. We don't know why he's in the cave or what he's even looking for, or if he's looking for anything, or if he's just hanging out. But Rebecca, his sister, younger sister, bright shock of red hair that has its own personality. Um, she's sassy as fuck. Given a lot of side eye. A lot of side eye. A lot of eye roll. A lot of eye roll, a lot of side eye. So she, you know, she thinks... Bob is going to look for the people beneath the surface of the earth, the under, the under underground people. Correct. Uh, but he doesn't believe in them. So what is he even doing down He's there? He's just going down there to see if he can find like a porno mag or smoke a cigarette. Oh, God, or, I don't know. I have that no idea. You know, kid stuff. It's the middle of the woods for uh, for desert kids. <laughs> for desert kids. Yeah, suburbanites. We go to just the middle of a patch of forest and. <laughs> They, you know, desert kids go underground. Yeah, fair enough. To bodies of water. I, yeah, it's, I, it's, uh, it's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. Sort of how the the earth has reshaped after the cataclysm, because you have literally no idea how or why. Again, we don't have any of the information or context about these Bob and Rebecca characters, more or less where they came from or even what their motivation is. They just sort of get thrown into the mix. No. Yeah, we don't know anything about them. And again, for a child watching this, these are their stand-ins. This is the whole reason that they exist. Sure. Is for children to watch this show and be like, oh, I identify with this male character, this female character, you know, or if you're just like creepy, or if you're a creepy cave-dwelling person uh, who's shrouded in mystery, you're just like, oh, I identify with Spartacus. Makes 100% sense. It's a creepy (laughs) cave-dweller. I don't think you should edit out what you said before that because I do not creepy creepy quave dweller. Do not baby talk. It's so creepy. Cre- you know what's creepy? What you're doing right now. <laughs> but Sean, it's so creepy. Oh my god. Very creepy. All right. So we we have Arcana. We talked a little bit about her character design, the fact that she looks like Storm. Uh she she's bipedal, which is worth noting because we're gonna get into a little bit more about this in a moment. Uh but she was created by the the denizens of the center of the earth. The children of... From Arcadia. From Arcadia. Yes. And so she was created by them uh, as a, a representative of what people look like on the surface of the planet, who then she gets thrown into the mix of being like, oh yeah, I'll be your ambassador. You're making a lot more sense out of this than they actually say in the show, which I'm impressed by. I'm, I'm jumping over a lot of hurdles. Yeah, we're jumping sure over a lot accessible. of hurdles. Because the actual steps are that they're in this garden. The children of um, the children of the Shagma are they have a garden science space? Yeah, science fair. They have a garden science fair. It's a garden science fair where they are they are taught how to do magical science things because naturally any existence beneath 
the surface is smarter than we are. This is based on the power of the seven colors, which is never which explained. never explained. Never explained. So she's like trying to make something from the surface of the earth, even though it's legend. And then out of nowhere, her experiment fails. And then she goes, Shagma is dying. What are we going to do about this? And I'm like, wait, how are these things connected literally at all? And then, and then they go and they do a whole bunch of stuff. They break into these archives that no one can go into to discover the truth. And somehow that truth informs her positive experiment. And so Arcana is born. Which again, like that's all the plot points you actually receive. Again, you're hurtling a lot to make sense of exactly what took place during this, this episode. So it, it, it it's it's complicated, and and we we will get into it. But I want to mention that the children of Arcadia, what Melanie is something that's unique or very interesting about the character design with them. So we keep mentioning bipedal uh, of what how Arcana is designed because the children, anyone in Arcadia, has no legs. Right. They just have like bulbs at the bottom of their bodies. They're little weeble wobble people. They are weeble wobbles that float. Yeah, right. They are hovering weeble wobbles. Although I did like the nuance of design when you see the children uh, come to the elders in this like town square to present their uh, to present Arcana, and you see that their legs are crossed because they're just like two little bulges <laughs> where their <laughs> where their legs might be folded. I kind of thought that was cool. I was like, I appreciate that, as opposed to just they're always standing, which is exhausting. Yeah. Like horses, it's just <laughs> yeah, exhausting. No, it, it does seem exhausting. Speaking of things that seem like they are exhausted, we have Tayrig or Shag Shag, who is the turtle spaceship, who just really at some point kind of gives a lethal weapon, kind of like I'm too old for this shit, Riggs. I was like, great. Yeah, it was, it was so fantastic. good. I'm fucking old, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, you are. Yeah. You've been here forever. And we don't even know how you came to be. And, you know, there's no indicator that Shag Shag is a ship until they're just like, we're going to pack up Arcana in in Shag Shag. And you're like, what? Well, at some point, it seems like Shag Shag has been floating around. And then they're in the archives and they see a picture of Shag Shag flying Mm -hmm. or like floating on the surface. And one of the children is like, oh, Shag Shag, you can fly. And I'm like, how, How the fuck has any uh, first and foremost has anybody sat down and said like hey shag shag what's in the archives what can you do <laughs> tell us a little bit about you know the history of why we're here nobody seems interested in the entire shagmire of of being you know, <laughs> I don't know this, this isn't Lord of the Rings I know I know, I know. I'm jumping again a lot of hurdles <laughs> nobody's interested in Arcadia about learning about their past and their history and sort of what's included and involved there everybody's like, you know what? These are problems that we don't want to fucking think about. More importantly, no one has sat down with Shag Shag at the water cooler and been like, how are you doing today, Shag Shag? Nobody. No one's asked him. And to your point, the perfect use case that they have for this is a moment where an older denizen of Arcadia with like his, his head in his hand is just kind of lazily looking at this courtyard science fair. And he just goes, you guys should fix Shag Shag. And somebody just goes, how old is Shag Shag? And he just goes, oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> and just like goes back to sleeping. Right in front of him, too. Like, right in front so of Shag Shag. Rude, but Shag Shag so can... French. Very French. Very French. Very Francais. Non. <laughs> so we, we have that. We, we've talked a little bit about Bickenback. 
any anything else that you want to talk? I mean, we have we have our pirates. We have the the pirates. Ugh, I don't want to admit this. The pirates are kind of fun. They are. I agree. I have a confusing thought about the song that the pirates sing. Yeah, not a musical show besides the theme song, but then they have this like very long musical interlude where they talk extensively about the uh the sacred pirates of the fjords. The underwater fjords, mind you, right. which like no, that's not a thing. Uh, for the pirates that we have, we have a, a leader of the pirates who mm-hmm. has a blue mohawk. Yep. We have sort of a, I want to say like a, a simpleton or maybe sort of kind of a dumb pirate. Dumb pirate. Dumb pirate who has a, a, a red mohawk. We have, uh, we, have the <laughs> we have the leader's girlfriend named Mass Media uh, who leads a, a pirate radio show that they have. And we have, as we've of course talked about, we have uh, Sex Appeal or Sleaze Appeal, who is the, I guess, debonair, but also like sexy focused pirate who has a green mohawk, who's a little bit upsetting. So it, it's, I don't know, we've got a, we've got a lot of characters and we're, we're kind of thrown into a bunch of these things as well. But I, I think we've kind of danced around the issue of the plot of this show, especially episode one from season one that we have called The City of Arcadia. So we wanted to get into this now. And so I think the the biggest thing to kind of understand is that as Melanie and I have talked about, we have jumped a lot of hurdles in terms of uh, understanding the story. And we're definitely not going to go beat by beat for this because it would take us forever. And so what we really want to kind of focus on and talk about are questions that we might have from this episode. And so Melanie, I wanted to ask you, are there any questions coming out of this first episode that you particularly have that you'd like to get answered? So I think because we spend in this episode so much time on the backstory, what they don't do is with the time that they give themselves to explain the backstory, they don't tell you why the elders of Arcadia chose to obliterate history. Right. Like they they kind of just say, you know, so there's this, there's a scene we sort of mentioned it earlier where like the children of Arcadia, they like they kind of like um they infiltrate the archives with Shag Shag secretly and Bick and Back are trying to like do some <laughs> hackerdom or whatever they're doing. And he just sticks his nose on a computer. He just sticks his nose into the computer, which is how you fix a motherboard, by the way. So uh, I don't know. Uh, and we hear this sort of like recording done by who knows who. And they say like, we wanted to make sure that this was a happy society. And so we made sure they knew nothing about their ancestors on the surface. That's not a reason to obliterate history at all. Like that's no, that does not make any sense. And then the other thing is like, I feel and, like that's- And to your point, yes. the, the, the direct line that the computer says is, forgetting all traces of the past will bring them happiness. Doesn't make it, like why? Why? Like we're, so, we're never going to answer this question. No. It's, just, it's, it's one of those things that is, is very frustrating to see that this Arcadian computer wants to almost completely, it has recorded histories of mm-hmm. the things that have happened, but at the same time, it is directly trying to tell them, like, do not have exposure to this information. You will be happier if you remain a, a Luddite. And, and connected to that thought is, you know, so the shagma is this basically when you when you look 
like the animation that they have in the design of Arcadia is it's it's a a world that sort of like fans out from a um from a a giant circle like sorry bobble thing right like okay. like in the game the game sorry and it's just this like giant sun and it, at first glance you're like oh it's the center of the earth like oh this is the core right the, the you know the magma lava core that you always like picture in your mind but then they say that they somebody the they whoever that they is fabricated that shagma and i have some thoughts about this when you're but but so the the thing that i'm trying to figure out is like did they drop this we'd be happier without knowing our ancestry did they drop that to say there's a larger plot point later where they like unpack the relationship of the people on the surface of the earth with the fabrication of the shagma also how did people so many years ago not grow legs those are all my questions uh these it's a interesting point. I'm going to I'm going to dig into the first thing that you had a question about, which yeah. is what what is the shagma and 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 what is going on there? Yeah. This was my off the cuff thought okay. after now having watched this episode okay. two three times is that during the cataclysm we see there's a lot of eruptions coming out from under the surface of the earth, right. it's kind of engulfing and destroying a majority of the surface and the people who dwelled there. So that the tic tacs can fall between the cracks. Exactly. Tic tacs into the cracks. Yeah. So what I keep thinking is that as they began to, to descend further into the planet mm-hmm. uh, to, to build Arcadia, I want to say that I think that the actual core or the center of the Earth was destroyed. And so what the shagma is that they fabricated is a core to the center of the planet, which then would have ramifications that if this fabricated core that they have created, this artificial core to the planet, was to get destroyed, then it would have a, a further impact to the rest of the planet itself, which is kind of what they posit and state as being sort of the 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 stakes of this show from the beginning, is that this could have not only implications to the destruction of Arcadia, but the planet at large. And so I think Shag Shag is, or Terra, I think that this is actually a fabricated man-made core to or shagmire shagma shagma uh there's shag so shag many the sh- there's so many damn shag, shag shag is the turtle spaceship uh-uh. shagma is the fabricated center of the earth. here's my question why can't they have come up with a better fucking word or multiple fucking words for the things that they're it is confusing it is confusing and so but to go back i think that it is a fabricated core that they created and that now they've just kind of neglected and forgot about and they don't have the technology or they don't have the know-how anymore and that's I think that's disconcerting. That is really disconcerting. But I guess in the way that we as a society understand that the pyramids exist, but we don't really know how they were built, maybe it's kind of that sort of leap where, like, there's ancient technology that we're not 100% certain about. Sure, but, like, yes and no. But if, if, a, if the nose falls off a pyramid statue, it doesn't destroy the entire planet. I'm not talking about that. I just mean, like, your, to your point of how... Could they have created something like that but not know how to fix it? I think it's just about like the distancing of like how that like the the mystery behind how it was created did not sophisticate with the rest of the civilization. Sure. Over time. The way that we don't understand how the pyramids were built and then we just sort of forgot about it. I, I want to say also to your point about why don't people have legs. I think that this is something that over time was 
uh, an adaptation to living potentially in the center of you. I don't maybe understand a, that, but that's part, fine. Maybe as a maybe as a part of the a more sophisticated society. Uh, I, I don't necessarily understand it, or I'm not saying that it's the right way in the beginning, but what I want to say is that people who were at the top of the earth, they obviously have the impression that those people are bipedal. And if they came from the surface of the earth originally down to Arcadia, they their original ancestors must have had two legs at some point. That's what I would assume. Right. That's the assumption I'm but making so as well. But so how did they grow together? So that's what I'm saying is that how over time, play? this was some type of like adaptive evolution that they had to, to living in the circumstances of being in the center of the earth. Or maybe it was something that they're like, we don't need to travel as much. We have all of these little tiny pieces of technology and we have these flower petals or pieces of chapstick that we shoot up into that shoot us around, you know, in our, our world that we have. And, and that's kind of all we need. I don't know if I buy into that. I, I don't know that I necessarily buy into my bullshit either, but I will say this. They create this idea of saying that these are a more advanced civilization in the center of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I will, I, 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 will, I will go to task saying that they are more advanced, but I will say that the challenges and the big question that I have is that why hasn't their intelligence in terms of what they do and sort of their their understanding of their civilization, why hasn't that evolved with them? They seem to be unbelievably advanced in terms of adaptive evolution but for naive, their bodies. But naive. But naive about their history. And if yeah. we've learned anything, history is obviously destined to always repeat itself. And so they're in this predicament now where suddenly their power source, their one and only power source that they have, they're going to lose it. And so they are woefully negligent about the fact that there might be answers in this forbidden archive that they won't go into. But then they have the children that break in to, to find this information and report back. They won't go into and they can't. So clearly, so, I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't I mean, think there's, there's no, there's nothing. It's, there's a lot of um, competing storylines in this that clearly don't make any sense, but are strangely very engaging. Right. And, and we should say, and we've mentioned about the fact that we're getting a lot of backstory in this, this episode. There is over 10 minutes of this 25-minute episode that is all backstory. From almost the moment they meet Arcana, she's just like, let me tell you everything that has happened in my life. And you're like, whoa. And then immediately after that, they're like, and now pirates. You're like, Jesus, fuck, there's a whole nother universe. And that's just in one layer underneath the Earth's surface. Right. So, it's a lot. Yeah. We mostly had just had questions about those 10 minutes. Everything else, though, is equally confusing. I think we did dig a little bit into um, uh, Creepicus, as we mentioned, who just happens to happens. have grown up in the caves underneath the surface of the Earth. And there and, are and, pirates of fjords. And, and Spartacus tells you that these and it's not spelled the spartacus that we know with the c it's spartacus with a k, k which i don't know why they're trying to throw us off it's the trail a, it's a french thing it's a french thing well i i would venture to say just about like pronunciation you'd go more naturally with a k phonetic spelling than a c en français because just because of the way yeah, caesar leveraged it's more of an s sound okay spartac like if they were gonna say Spartacus, it'd be like Spartacus. Is probably how they would say it. More. Oh, okay, that's your education for the day, folks. Didn't know that. Don't that's gotta go to Duolingo this morning. 
you have you have almost French major Melanie Harker, which is how I should have been introduced. I did not graduate with my French major. I bailed. But you're still educating the masses on the show today. We oui, toi bien. So, uh, any additional questions? I know I have. I know I have one particular question, which is sort of a a what the fuck for me. Drop it. All right. There is one kind of throwaway line that Bob has at some point when they're talking about whether or not they should assist Arcana kind of on this journey. Mm -hmm. And Bob just simply says, you know, the the center of the earth will have different geological time to which Rebecca (laughs) then goes, yeah, we could go on this adventure and be back before dinner. And to me, this was sort of one of those Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe scenarios where they, they fall into a magical realm and then they come back and like, They've spent their entire lifetime growing and maturing, and they haven't aged at all, but then they come back into present time, and it's only been a couple minutes, or it's only been like a, an hour. They're home safe in time for dinner. And so, again, it is sort of that romanticized notion of having that adventure as a child and then safely returning to your home, and nobody's been worried about you. Because let's be honest, if they go to the center of the earth, um, I don't believe that there is a difference in terms of geological time. It's not like going out into space you know, and, and traveling like, through I mean genuinely I don't know enough I'm not a geophysicist sure I don't know fucking shit about that I mean you were almost a geophysicist major no I was not <laughs> that's how I should have introduced you oh my god almost never a geophysicist major <laughs> Melanie Parker. um no I I mean I don't know enough about space time to understand how go, go, moving closer towards the earth's sp- focus of gravitational pull would uh, affect time. So I don't know how true that is. I think it's an interesting posit. I don't think it does because at the same time, you're still on the same trajectory and velocity around the sun, regardless of what strata you are within the earth. I don't know. I really don't know. So, so in, and again, it's that like macro versus micro view of how the universe works. And we just don't explore enough of the micro yeah. Like the going, you know, the in the, the looking internally and down. Um, I mean, like when you go when you go beneath the sea, mm-hmm. you know, and we've obviously like submariners. We have you know uh, different species that are are below the seas. Many that we don't even have any idea what's going on down there. Uh, like maybe there is something that like the further down you go, but like I doubt this is real. Yeah. I'm just saying I doubt it's real too. I'm just Look, saying I any, don't know. If anybody is listening and does know, we would love to figure I this wanna out. I want to find out. I want to find out. Should have had a geophysicist on. Today. Because almost geophysicist major Melanie Harker and I do not know. And so it would be great to clear this up and actually have some some context behind this. But it's really one of those like lines that is said and then everybody's like, oh yeah, different geological time. The further we go into the earth and you're like, uh, okay you know it's again it's one of those things where there's there's a lot that is thrown out and there is a lot that is discussed in this episode and we're only on episode one mm-hmm. so it's it's crazy yeah do you have any additional questions about season one episode one city of arcadia i mean i got lots city, of, the city of arcadia i have lots of questions but i don't think any of them can be answered it's pretty much my <laughs> is your line on this yeah it's, that's as far as i can go oh understood well we uh before we really kind of get into our actual review of this show so it turns out like doug kendall yeah you you listening right now you have opinions 
And now we want to hand this over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled A Classic Series That I Miss by user Action65 in July of 2000. Please excuse my French as I do not speak or understand French. So literally, pardon my French. It says, Le Mans Anglouti, or Arcadia as it is also known by, is one of the classic series that I would love to see again someday. The series was broadcast on television over here in the late 80s, and the reruns used to be broadcast in the early 90s. But now the series seems to have disappeared. The music is exceptionally memorable, and the atmosphere and style is absolutely of the highest class. This is a series with nostalgic value, so catch it on TV whenever you can. And there's no hate it, so we have the lowest score. It's titled Eerie and Unforgettable by user Melancholic Moon 10 in May of 2012. This one says French speakers will be pleased to watch the original version of these two seasons again because cartoon series are not what they used to be. The language used in the dialogue is brilliant, literary yet not pompous. So parents who want their children to learn correct French should make them watch such series instead of today's superficial material. And despite the very basic effects, it does look old with faded colors and glitches. The atmosphere here is just lovely. Every tableau, every place these guys visit aboard Shag Shag is eerie and beautifully made. And to avoid taking itself too seriously, the main synopsis isn't exactly a walk on the beach. There are comic relief characters like Bick and Buck and those pirates with 80s rockers haircuts. So cool. The main theme is haunting, and the other songs, even though they're repeated in almost every episode, are always fun to watch. Seven out of ten. Wow. I mean, just to just to talk and say that there's there's a lot of literary stuff that's in this show. I, I mean, no, I, it's not about literary. It's about the formality of the French language that you hear right. in the show. Uh, very admirable. I would go with watching anything else. Probably. Wow. You got lots of other options out there that are way less complicated. I would go watch some of those things. I would watch, there's, you know, an audio book of Le Petit Prince, or The Little Prince, Little Prince. as we know it. Uh, yeah, there's lots of other choices. Okay. I would not do the show. But you Shagamites, you're very loyal. Very loyal to the show. There were no hate Right. Absolutely no hate So very, very interesting to kind of hear what's going on, but... We are now going to get into our recommendations for myself and Melanie. And so, Melanie, you might be familiar with this. You can recommend the show. Mm-hmm. You can also not recommend the show. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to not recommend the show, you can mm. go one step further and you can give it the dip, which erases this from the annals of cartoon history. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So we obviously know that uh, sitting in with us today, we have Doug Kendall and his recommendation for this show that he highly recommends this program. Melanie, what what is your recommendation? So this is tough. Episode one of any of any series is not going to go over as well as watching maybe like ten episodes. 
So I would not recommend watching this show, but what I would recommend is that whoever out there like loves the show, understands its canon, I feel like this could become the next Netflix reboot series Mm. because like Voltron, that also watching the OG Voltron, very confusing, lots of questions. (laughs) They've done such a nice job rebooting the series and really bringing to life the spirit of that story and of that um, of the circumstances and the environment and everything that kind of surrounds the Voltron universe from that original Japanese hackneyed situation that we all saw in the early 80s. I feel like this could could really benefit from a similar treating. So like I would watch this if they rebooted it and if someone with a smarter attention to storytelling detail could like pull this together i would i would watch that 100 percent. okay but i would not watch more of this series so you're not recommending it i would not recommending spending your time on this if you're net new like that doesn't seem like something that you'll benefit from and okay. you'll probably just get frustrated and t- sleepy but are you gonna give it the dip i'm not gonna give it the dip because i do think it deserves i think it deserves another chance in a modern lens okay all right i on the other hand i actually recommend this <laughs> i i really i recommend are you fucking serious? Yeah, I do. Again, for the mysterious lost cities of gold, for the the Goonies, the the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the the Chronicles of Narnia kind of comparison about sort of the this romanticized version of of a kid and kids finding you know adventure and kind of traveling deep down within and and, and being able to discover a lot of these things with some interesting characters. I think that this show, yes, it does muddy the waters by throwing a lot of information up at the top. I, again, would be very curious to watch a couple more episodes and see if they begin to kind of, uh, you know, get into detail about some of these things. Learn how to storytell. And do a little bit of a better job storytelling. But I will say this, for the storytelling and the the backstory that we received for this first episode, and yes, for everybody who's listening, this is a snap judgment that we are making based off of the first episode. We've had a lot of people who say, in many cases, that we're not being fair to these shows. But if we were to watch all 50-plus episodes of this series, we'd only be able to do one episode every month, (laughs) probably. Also, P.S., no one's paying us to do this. So (laughs) y'all motherfuckers can chill. Well, regardless of who's paying us and who's not paying us, I I just, I think that, you know, there's, there's enough interest and intrigue in terms of this story to keep me watching for a couple more episodes to kind of settle in. And so that's, it's really kind of what I'm using as my barometer to say if I recommend it or not. Is like, will I sit down and watch another three episodes? I'm interested and intrigued enough in this to do that. I will also say to your point, Melanie, I would love to see this done in through a modern lens. I would love mm-hmm. to see this rebooted in a way that actually kind of simplifies and clarifies some of the storytelling to make it a little bit more accessible to a modern audience. And I, I don't, mean modern audience in the sense that like I want them to dumb it down for us but there's there's so much here to to kind of like throw it on your plate and 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 leave it there I, I think does a disservice to again some of the net new people who are coming in and watching this for the first time and so I think sort of slow rolling and handing out uh bit by bit some of that backstory this show would benefit from, from some of that but in the meantime as it stands right now I'm interested to go back and watch a couple episodes. So I would recommend this. If you could schedule on the Google Calendar the times in which you're going to watch the show, that would be helpful for me so I can make sure to be out of the house <laughs> while you're watching them. 
Really? You're going to go that far? I'm going to go like at least a block down the street while you're watching. Oh, okay. Or just sit in my car. All right, fair enough. And like scroll on Instagram or something. I will I will let you know when I plan on doing that. That would be awesome. Super helpful. Ah. Uh, Married we- life, folks. That's how this works. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. So we do want to give a big thank you to Doug Kendall for his recommendation of Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. Thank you, Doug. Again, if you want to call in, convince us. Tell us what show we should watch for our next episode. 202-681-4406. You can leave a message and tell us exactly what cartoon and why you love it and what specific anchor it had in the nostalgia of your childhood. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. So thank you, Melanie, for coming back on the show to be able to discuss and talk Spartacus with us. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Is there anywhere that the good people listening could find you online? Is there anything you'd like to promote? I'm not doing anything. So you should just find Private me citizen. Private citizen Melanie Harker not finishing her French double major. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Melanie Gwynn, G-W-Y. And E, and you can find me on the Instagram at Melanie underscore Gwyn. Yes, Dave Trumbor, that is Welsh. There you go. You heard him on this week's show. We need to give a quick shout out to our buddy Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast, and you can find them on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co host on the THT Movie Podcast Review which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard on Mixler. You can also find Bobby on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him some love. He is simply the best. Bobby! As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform for Washington Improv Theater, and you can find tickets and times witdc.org. I'm also on Twitter and the grams at Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, you looking for Dave? You can find him on Twitter. At Dr. Claw MD. You can also find all of his writings at nerdist.com, collider.com, and davetrumbor.com. If you would like to interact with this show, hey, head on over to our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out our weird memes as well as also anything else that we put that's up on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember that is morning with a U. You can listen to our podcast twice a month on the first Monday and the third Monday on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And again, if you want to suggest a cartoon, you can go on any of the links that we have in our bios for our social media, click on our link tree, and you can submit either via form or give us a phone call and let us know what we should watch. And of course, if you want to drop us an email, we're SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, throughout the entire month of September, we are going to do listener recommendations. So this is the first one for Doug Kendall. So we hope that you appreciate it. And to take us out with this week's episode, we have Melanie on the melodica. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoon. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.